Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall. Ryan Sense is here this week to talk about how he and his brother bought back Funky Buddha, the Florida brewery they sold to Constellation Brands six years ago. We'll get into that in a moment, but first, please go visit allaboutbeer.com. There you can find original articles, reviews, news, insights, and podcasts. You can listen to shows like Beer Travelers, Brewer to Brewer, and the All About Beer podcast simply by searching All About Beer wherever you listen to shows. This show and all of the work we do is supported by you. You can visit patreon.com slash allaboutbeer to help keep the content fresh. A few bucks goes a long way to fund writers, photographers, creators, and editors. And if you'd like to learn more about advertising on this show or any of our shows, please email info at allaboutbeer.com. There's an interesting trend happening in beer these days. Small breweries that had sold to larger brewing companies are regaining their independence. The founders of Three Weavers in California repurchased their brewery from Fireman Capital. 21st Amendment Brewery ended its agreement with Brooklyn Brewery. And in the last month, we've seen Appalachian Mountain Brewery founders purchase the brewery back from Anheuser-Busch InBev and Florida Funky, Florida's Funky Buddha going independent after a purchase from Constellation Brands. Ryan Sense, a co-founder of the brewery, along with his brother, KC, is my guest this week. And he talks me through the early days of the brewery, the decision to sell in the first place, and what life and business was like under Constellation. Constellation made a push into the craft space a few years ago with the splashy and billion-dollar purchase of Ballast Point. It was then followed by Funky Buddha. The acquisition did not go as planned. The, well... Ballast Point one, that is. And after some devaluations, Constellation sold Ballast Point to Kings and Convicts. At that point, Sense, who stayed on with Funky Buddha, knew that the brewery he founded could be next. He and his brother decided to make the move to reacquire the brewery. We recorded this over Zoom, and the audio is choppy at times, so bear with us. But here's the conversation. What was the original plan for Funky Buddha? when you all first conceived it and before you even opened up your doors, what, what did you want the brewery to be? Um, so the brewery or when we first started funky Buddha, two different questions. Okay. Well, un, un, uh, let's which, unpack both. I mean, we can start with okay. funky Buddha, right? Um, which, which came first. So, you know, when we started, it was 2007, and it was Funky Buddha Lounge and Brewery. Right. Um, actually, I'm sorry. No, it wasn't. I'm, I'm lying. It was just Funky Buddha Lounge. Um, before, when we first opened, we were, you know, 700 square foot, um, mostly, you know, because I, I, I purchased it from someone else, a hookah and, and tea bar. That's right. Um, uh, yeah. And uh, in a small, small little area in, in Boca Raton. Um, and we survived off the, yeah, off of selling hookahs and teas. And I, you know, I was a, a craft beer. There wasn't a whole lot of options. There's really no options in Florida to, to get craft beer. It was all just through travel and, and having friends bring me stuff. Um, so that's, so the, the idea was just to, I loved live music, um, you know, to have open mics, some, some small performances and bring in uh, craft beer, you know, uh, on tap and, and bottles. And, uh, that turned into three, four, three years later, 2009, 2010. Um, I was a home brewer and just wanted to have a, a small little, we figured out we're getting known as the place to, to go get craft beer. Um, and, uh, 
again, as a, as a home brewer, I just, I put together a, a glorified large homebrew system that was doing 30 gallons at a time. And that's where, that's where, that's where it happened. There was no, uh, there was no plans of, for doing that to eventually do something bigger. It just kind of things kept naturally organically happening. Um, yeah. So, I, I'm, I'm so impressed from, that you were uh, running. There, I'm just so impressed that you were running a bar and also had time to homebrew. Like owning a small business is hard enough. And then you're like, I'm going to do a really labor and time intensive hobby on top of this. I mean, it's, it's no more than golfing or, but, yeah. or doing anything else. More know? expensive so though, it was, but yeah, it was definitely more expensive. It was, uh, yeah, no, I, I didn't have time, I, you know, but that's what my time was, was spent doing. Right. So that was my, those were my hobbies and that, and I was lucky enough to have a job and, and, and working towards a career that I actually enjoyed. So I was combining both. So pretty easy. What were the, what were the, the homebrew recipes that, that you were doing at the time? Um, you know, back then when you, when you first, when most people start, it's, it's extracts, it's Mr. Beer in my yeah. kits where you, just, oh, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. Um, and then, you know, for me, it was try to get weirder and, and weird back then was, you know, maybe doing a, a, a pumpkin pie recipe or um adding adding coffee to to the beer so that those were my my homebrews initially um and then just right listen and then obviously regular beer you were able to make something that people will, will drink and you can actually get drunk off of it was a very <laughs> weird concept yeah so um yeah so at some point then you decide okay i'm doing this homebrewing we have a space Let's combine the two. Yeah, it was almost it was almost a more of a um, a business decision that was like how I can certainly make the beer cheaper. You know, once we once we buy all the equipment. I mean, back then you're you're we're driving five hours in order to find a steel drum from this person, and and then we're fabricating and, and finding a welder through trades of beer, and you know you're piecemealing it any way you can. So it wasn't like we were buying this this great system. So I said it was a glorified homebrew system. Um, so I forgot the question. Where was well, I going with that? <laughs> uh, deciding to add the professional brewing element to the bar. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, so for for us, it was it was it was a business decision. We we're you know we were buying kegs for X. We knew we can we knew we can make them for Y. And for me, and I was like, I think I can make something that. And I just knew that people people would appreciate, even if I didn't think it was going to be as good out the gates as maybe something we could buy. And it, and it and it wasn't. There's no way it was as good as what we were buying. But it was still it was you know it was being made there. And there's something kind of special about that. And it just wasn't it wasn't being done at the time. There was a handful of places. Um, you know, the places like hops and, and, um, but there weren't any, I can't think, um, there was a, there was a place that we patterned our, ourselves after good friends up in, up into Cuesta that had a very similar system, but that was, you know, an hour away from me. So yeah. we can do this and make it for, for 30 cents instead of pay, instead of paying a dollar. So, and we love it. So why not? And it worked. I mean, it, 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 almost immediately, from what I'm remembering, you know, from my adult reporting brain um, is after you all added the brewing system and started making the beers that you would become 
pretty early famous for. Um, people around the country knew who you all were. I mean, granted, there, there were fewer breweries at the time, but you made a pretty strong impact pretty early. Is, is that fair to say? Yeah, I, I, you know, we, we, timing was, was huge for us. And I mean, the fact that you, you looked around the country and you had so many breweries and and smaller areas and and South Florida didn't, you know, I think that played a large part into, there was, there was a lot of people that drank crap beer down in South Florida and there was a lot of people that traded beer. So I think those, those people that were so passionate about craft beer were so excited to have someone that would get, you know, get a, get a, um, a dark Lord, a bottle of dark Lord, or, you know, a <laughs> bottle of Brooklyn black ops. Right. And so that was crazy to me that they were using our beers and they're putting in water bottles and trading it. So I think, and, and back then, you know, the, the popularity of, of sites like rate beer and beer advocate and people wanting to rate as many beers as they could. And the fact that we were just the only one down here and, and also making beers that were different. Right. I think that was a huge part. And, and it was back then it was it was really different to have anything like, you know, most traditionalists were angry with what we were doing. saying that that's not beer. Um, but we didn't care because we liked it. And then we thought what's we were, it, so we what's, what's a few good examples of that? Um, as far as people getting angry. Yeah. Or, or the beers, the beers that people are saying we you shouldn't be making. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, literally anything that wasn't, you know, the four main ingredients when we were doing, you know, peanut butter and jelly beer and apple pie beer. Um, it, I got it. The people that said beer should taste like beer and the people that had been doing it for 20 years and, and attention. And we were, and it didn't taste like what people were, were, were used to. So um, people obviously came around and I, I, I did find that funny that, you know, when the breweries that were going like, this is stupid and it'll never last. And, they, you know, a couple of years later, you see them, them having festivals and they had their own, you know, mole inspired beer or, or, you know, cookie cake beer, whatever they were doing. Um, it certainly wasn't us. It wasn't, we weren't the first people to do it. There was, there was breweries like shorts. Oh yeah. Up in Michigan. Yeah. And dogfish head. Yeah. Yeah. Was yeah. playing with really cool ingredients. Um, there just wasn't that many of them. And there wasn't, I don't think at, at the time, there certainly wasn't anyone that was doing it as much as we were doing it. We really just kind of like laid into it and said, this is what we're going to do. This is who we're going to be. We're going to be culinary inspired. We're going to not take ourselves seriously. We're not going to say this can't be done. Um, and I had the, I also had a huge advantage over big breweries of like, if I screwed up, it wasn't a, that big of a deal. It was 30 gallons. You know, it was my, it was a day's work pain in the ass, but it wasn't tens of thousands of dollars because you tried this expensive recipe or had luxuries that these guys didn't. And again, I had, you know, like ravenous fans of craft beer that just didn't have an opportunity to have a local brewery. So a lot of things in our favor that helped us that it wasn't just like we did this on purpose or Funky Buddha was the best. It was we, you know, we had a lot of fortunate turns. There must have been some. I mean, it, there's got to be the, the wary that comes with having a small business and trying to make things that people will pay money for and, and, and uh, continue to come back for. But it also sounds like it was kind of freeing creatively um, in those oh, yeah. days. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause that's at, at heart, you know, and I, I, 
I've always been an entrepreneur and always wanted to run my business, but I'm, I am a, a, a creative person that's not that good at, you know, I'm not, I can't write music. I can't, I can't play music. I, I'm not an artist, so I can't write, but it, this was something I, I like to cook. And this was just, you know, this was just cooking with, you know, and it was, you know, I did, I did leave a job and, and, you know, to pursue this and took not a risk, but obviously took considerably less money, but I was never happier. And I tell people that all the time. It's like money is not what's going to make you happy. It's, you know, the fact that I didn't dread Mondays anymore. And uh, quite the opposite. I was excited to, it wasn't, it wasn't work. And I know that sounds cheesy, but it was, it was, and it was, yeah, it was scary. I mean, there was days where literally we did $90 in sales like the whole day. Yikes. It wasn't, it wasn't like we're, we're going to make it. We're, this is, this is great. Oh yeah. Um, it was paying, paying myself zero and yeah. um, working, working my ass off. But, you know, and again, not with the thought of like, we're, this is eventually good, but I was happy. And I did believe, I did believe in what we were doing made sense and that it was backed by, you know, what people were, were saying and, and the reviews that we were getting. So. So you grew beyond that initial bar, right? You, you guys added on. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So, so the original 700 square feet, we moved uh, in the same plaza. We did the monstrous jump to 2000 square feet. And actually I remember it was, we, we were terrified of that. I mean, it was triple the size, triple the rent. Um, and this is all, you know, we were self-funding and, and, you know, we built everything ourselves. We built the bar ourselves. We built the stage ourselves. We were hand painting. We were, we were the electricians. Um, and my brother came in and there was an opportunity to take a slightly bigger space, you know, t- in total, like 3,500 square feet. I was like, dude, you're, you're insane. You're going to need it. And um, I always call him the monkey wrench. Cause as soon as I, like I had a plan, he would come in last second. And normally it would be, 99 out of a hundred times he was right. So I'd be like, God damn it. And, and I would do it and I would, it would completely change everything. And that ended up being, that ended up being the spot. So we had an opportunity to, to brew, um, you know, house all the ingredients. We ended up opening up a homebrew store, which helped yeah. keep us open and support it. Um, and then we did that uh, for, we were there for three years, four, three or four years before the, the production brewery opened up. Yeah. Um, what were those three or four years like in that middle space where, you know, you go from 700 square feet to the 3,500 and, um, I mean, things must've just been running at such a breakneck pace. Like what, what did you learn during those, those times? Um, I mean, yeah, it, it was almost hard to learn because, like you said, everything was happening so fast, and it was. I, to me, I was so involved in the early stages with everything, but it seemed like that was the height of of craft at the time. Like it was just craft was crazy, and we were growing. And I and I, again, the, the, even even when things were crazy, I never the the idea wasn't okay. We're going to open up a production brewery like that. That just came later. It was we were getting invites to, to festivals all over the country and then, and then outside the country. And it was humbling and it, it was almost embarrassing because then I'd have people calling me up and saying, hey, we want to do a collaboration with you. And I'm like, 
they had no idea I'm brewing. I can't even let them see what I'm brewing on. You know, and <laughs> and we were getting these crazy ratings on on. I think Rate Beer had us at like, it's, it, whatever it was, it was like top twenty in the world or something in the breweries. And I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> just because. And again, it was because people were rating our beers high. They people were so excited down here. Was, everything played into our favor. It was we were so lucky, and uh, yeah, it was just it was it was surreal. To, to say the least, we were getting invited to festivals that I was going to as a, as a fan. And not only that, but it was, we were doing again, back then, no one was doing, you know, people were doing it. You'd have dogfish show up and they'd have their, their, their four beers. And then they have like one or two, you know, different beers with different ingredients and shorts certainly would. And again, you'd have someone like back then, like a uh, Southern tier would do, you know, remember ch- chocolate. I don't know if it's pronounced chocolate or chocolate. Um, yeah. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that beer. Yeah. yeah. It was so good, but back, but again, that's how crazy it was back then. A chocolate beer was so different. It was so like mind. Oh my god, this is a beer. It, it does taste like chocolate. And uh, here we were showing up to these festivals, and we were like, "Not, we're not doing Hefeweizen. You know, we're gonna go peanut butter and jelly beer, apple pie beer, mango habanero beer, maple bacon coffee porter." And people were like, "Who the, you know." for yeah. these guys and uh and and they were getting in line and we had really long lines because they just wanted to see and they, they didn't know if our beer was going to be good they were just like i gotta see i don't i tried 13 ipas at this festival let's go try this weird guy and that was i mean in the era when i mean the ibu wars were happening um among brewers mm-hmm. um you know everybody was trying to you know i i feel like that was the era when the questions really sort of ratcheted up of, you know, well, what hops are in this and what's new in hops and what's, and I mean, I remember having the maple bacon coffee porter for the first time mm-hmm. at one of those festivals. I want to say it was a, a beer advocate thing. Um, yeah. Probably might, extreme beer. Yeah. And having that same reaction of going in as a, as a skeptic and a cynic and like, like, okay. Like, and then like, wow, this delivers on what it says it's, it's, it's going to, uh, you know, it, it, it tastes like as advertised, um, which was refreshing at the time and, 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 and kind of a lot of fun. And I mean, now you just kind of take it for granted when you, when you, when you show up, um, at a brewery and they're like, oh, this is our you know vanilla porter. It's like, okay. Like, yep. Yeah, uh-huh. like vanilla. Uh-huh. It tastes like coconut, like that kind of thing. Um, uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. but but to sort of lay that groundwork and to be, it wasn't just a gimmick, right? That was the thing that I, this is the point that I was trying to make was it wasn't just a gimmick. It was, there was real skill that went into it. There was nuance to those beers as opposed to just hitting, you know, somebody over the head with 90 pounds of coconut or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so first off, thanks. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> It wasn't always, it wasn't, they weren't all winners for sure. And we, and, but I think again, a couple of luxuries that we had is that we, we spent, we spent the money. We weren't using, you know, we weren't using like extracts and, 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 and not, and I was the same as you. I was a consumer that if you were lucky enough to find a bum, oatmeal, raisin, cookie beer or something like that, and it didn't taste anything like it, like maybe you just tasted cinnamon. I was annoyed because I was excited. I, I got the four pack or whatever, six pack and you try it you're like, so that was a very intentional thing was that it's, we, we have to deliver on what we say, because as just, again, as the consumer, I hated, I hated when they did it. So 
it took a lot of a lot of tries and a lot of attempts and and we spent the money on the real ingredients and 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 throwing away batches and you know because it wasn't as expensive as most um so that was that was something that was really 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 important to us to say like okay i'm not going to be like oh yeah i get apple pie and we've since learned nuance you know and a lot of times we want to do stuff that we want it to be maybe more drinkable and just to be but there's other times where you know we just did like a a funfetti beer um and we're like okay we're not going to stop until it tastes like what we feel like is a birthday cake and right. not just because you know, people there, there's now now the problem is there, there is expectations problem but also a good thing um so yeah so that was you know that was important for us to kind of to do exactly what you said is not be like uh you know uh maybe that and and yeah back then going to the extreme beer fest and extreme was either high abv um sour or it was the ibu wars it was like we've got 12 billion <laughs> ibus and you're like no you don't it doesn't matter you get or so it was fun for us to do to, to do something a little bit different so so how would you approach making some of those beers like what was the you know for a funfetti for example right like mm-hmm. you knew it tasted the way that you wanted to taste it when you got to that point um but what was the mm-hmm. what was the road like to get to that finish line um like the process inside know, the, of the brew house for you all yeah i mean it depending on the beer sometimes it happens very quick sometimes like and sometimes it never happens i'll tell you that like sometimes i i can absolutely it always starts with me or or someone coming up with an idea and then you kind of you taste it before you ever make it you're like okay this is how it has to taste you know in your mind you're already tasting it and you know and then you keep working towards that and until it matches or or and if it doesn't then, then sometimes those beers just never see the light of day and you're like all right i couldn't do it it's not worth it again it doesn't meet our expectations and and as as a consumer we'd be disappointed so it's, it's not happening and um the, the the peanut butter and jelly one that we did that that was an example of one that took forever and a million different attempts of how we were going to get the peanut flavor in and do we use powder or do we are we making our own like extract with peanuts and alcohol and 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 doing that <laughs> and um we ended up you know I, I used to i used to hold these cards so close to my chest because you know at the time it was like oh god we're the only ones doing it and everyone's gonna do it now so but it was it was just and and then you're playing around with what kind of peanuts and how and it was roasted peanuts and and i've told this this story other times but like people knew when we came out with that beer only because our local grocery store had buy one get one free on peanuts and i would just like clear out every store you know we would go everywhere and just like buy and that's and that that was the way we could afford to do it i was like i can't afford five dollars a jar but we can afford 250 and that was the, that was the way we did it and so it took many times and finally you know you you hit it and you're like yes this is this is what i wanted it to taste like and this is what i'm proud of sometimes it's right away not not usually really funny though um <laughs> you couldn't find peanuts anywhere in a nine county area around you guys uh I, the, you literally yeah. couldn't we we abused Publix. It was like, and then you'd get the same look at every register. It's like, I'd go up because they would have these giant bins and they'd put it by the front of the store and buy one, get one free. And I'm like, yep. And I would just load up the cart and they'd go, they'd look at me like, are you, what, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I'm doing this four other places. But um, I mean, what's funny, what's funny is that that's so commonplace now. I mean, you follow certain breweries on social media when, you know, a limited edition cereal comes out or, 
you know, a seasonal cookie or something. And they're, you know, the entire brew crew goes walking in with nine carts and comes walking out with all of them full of, you know, a single item kind of thing. I mean, you were doing it before, I guess, you know, most people were doing it. We had no choice, you know, we didn't, it wasn't, it was not, uh, you know, it was again, you you have a $90 day, you don't have the luxury of saying, give me your best peanuts and spare no expense. You say, give me what I can get and let's figure out a way to, to, to not lose money on on making them make it with less because it's just not going to taste good. Yeah. So as you got into the production brewery, um, what else were you all making to sort of round out a portfolio? Like you're doing the fun stuff, but you know, I seem to recall, yeah. you know, other beers, maybe in that more sure. traditional yeah, I mean, sense. And, yep. And we knew, and we knew that we, we had to just because um, even making those, those weird beers, it was, it was, you, you just had to have traditional beers. You've got to have something that someone's going to want to drink three, four five of. And, and that's also Imperial Stouts. I was also um, someone who loved a lager and loved IPAs and, um, so early on, very, from the very beginning, we have two of, the, two of our main beers that we still have today. The, the recipes have, have changed slightly, um, but Floridian, which was a, a Hefeweizen, and um, uh, Hopgun, which is our IPA. So obviously you had to have an IPA. Um, and for Floridian, it was just Blue Moon was back in 2009 was something that people drank a lot of. And I just wanted to have like Florida's version, a craft version of that. And the Hefeweizen that we also used, we were like hand scraping vanilla beans and, um, and, and, and orange peels. We were using like, using orange zest. We were zesting the oranges. Um, so that's since changed and it's just a traditional Hefeweizen, but those were our two, two main ones. And then, and then of course you fill out the lineup with, okay, we'll make a red ale. We're going to have a porter. We're going to have a, you know, have an, a lager. Um, and then, and then, you know, what's going to get people excited and in is, is going to be the weird stuff, but what they're going to have second, thirds and fourths of hopefully is the IPA and the Hefeweizen. Yeah. And, and that was the traditional model back then. Right. I mean, I, I think a lot of folks, I was always sort of amazed when people would look at dogfish head and see the crazy things that they were doing and think that that's all that they were doing. And it's like, no, 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 like 60 minute, 90 minute and an India Brown were paying all of the bills and allowing them yep. to, uh, to, to, to sort of mess around. Um, you know, because you, you, you do need that rounded um, portfolio. And I'm imagining that you were able to grow a customer base back then, you know, because people would come in for a certain, you know, for, for, you know, the crazy side of the, you know, the normal side for lack of better terms, um, and then uh-huh. discover the opposite and get into it from there. Yeah. You know, you, you get them in and, and uh, you get them in because like I said, you, for, for the last no, order or whatever and then you when they try it hopefully they become their their main beer is something that they they want every day is is going to be something a little more traditional but yeah you can't you can't just have passion projects right the 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 bills don't get paid that way you have to have you have to have what's what's going to pay the bills you have to have your 60 minute ipa um or else you don't get to do the or whatever you know amazing beers that were they're putting out there i mean they they were so as far as influence, they were between. I keep bringing them up. Them and shorts were just were just huge for for Funky Buddha. Yeah, 
And, and shorts was always doing, I mean, I just remember, you know, the only time that I would really get them was at the Great American Beer Festival back in the day. And they'd have you know, their Bloody Mary uh-huh. beers and they'd have their, you know, like also, I mean, it was always just very exciting um, in that era yeah. of seeing what they could do yeah. with other things and, you know, non-traditional beer things and put them into a beer that still reminded us of beer. Yeah. I mean, so two things. One, the worst beer I ever made was doing a Bloody Mary beer. It was by far <laughs> the grossest. And I was so excited. And that's another one I tasted. I was like, this is going to be so good. That was it tomato it. acidity or too much, uh, too much horseradish? What was the. Everything. It was so okay. it was undrinkable. <laughs> it was absolutely undrinkable. It was so bad. I was so, so mad. I did that in, in production, you know, in a small production, but like certainly big, that was a bigger, a bigger loss, but it was like, Nope, that, that's going down the drain. Um, and then what else did you say that reminded me? Oh, yeah, it's just, it's, it was exactly that. And that's why I don't go like, we're, we're not hurting our arms, patting ourselves on the back. It wasn't, you, you saw someone like Shorts doing it and, and it excited you. It was like, it was something, it was a key lime beer or, or, yeah, that's right. beer. They, they were so one of the first to be key not? lime. Yeah. So good. So good. And so it was just like, I want to do something that's exciting. This excites me. There's, I'm not the only person in the world that thinks like me. So why wouldn't I want to do something that, and I see all the people crowding up around their table and going like, Oh, I want to try this, but let's, again, let's really lean into it. Let's, let's be, let's be that brewery. So how did Constellation first come into the picture? Um, so now we're at, so we opened in 2013 here and then, um, I think probably 2016 is when we, when we started. So three years after opening, when we started being approached by people, we never, uh, I, you know, we never thought that that was, you know, I thought it was going to be something that my, I would do until I didn't want to do it. And hopefully my kids would want to do it or, and maybe we'd think about selling later. Um, and then we just started getting, you know, solicited by, by larger, you know, larger breweries and, um, you know, private equity groups and, and it, it, that's, that was happening right there, right? There was a, there was a, starting to be a lot of a lot of buying of breweries, and, and we were probably one of the one of the last bigger breweries to sell. Um, you just, a, a, after yeah. we, you, it kind of slowed down after that, but um, so you talked to enough people, um, had really good conversations, got close with with some, um, and never it never felt right. Um, I still wanted to be as, I guess, as evidence is I'm, I'm still around. Like I still wanted to be active. I still loved what I did and I didn't know I wasn't as confident with selling to other places, whether or not that was going to be an option yeah. um, or it was going to be, or it was going to be, Hey kid, the, the adults have it. We'll, we'll take it from here. And uh, because I, I when you did when you, constellation. Yeah. Cause when you were in that part of talking with them, there was already the history had been established by other breweries uh, that had been acquired of what happened mm-hmm. to the original founders. So you were able to see who treated yeah. folks. What is so, so yeah, just by yeah. nature of the timing of your deal, there was yep. empirical evidence that you could point to. Mm-hmm. And everyone tells you what you want to hear. I mean, it's, it's, it's dating. It's really, you know, you're being, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, the, you're the, you're the pretty, you're the pretty girl for at least five minutes. And, and people are telling you whatever, whatever you want to hear. And, and you you start believing it, and you start 
developing an ego like I had people do like me and whatever they say is absolutely true. So, but then, you know, you start playing devil's advocate and what if this happens? What if this? And, and it, it was also not just my decision, you know, at the time it was, it was, it was my family, my brother's family. Um, and then we had a, a minority investor that we, we had to talk to. So, um, you know, again, yeah, at the, at the end, consolation felt right. We, we, I, I, I was a Modelo drinker didn't really matter but i was i liked i liked the people that i met and i believed in in, in their vision and it seemed to i truly trust we got it you can you can go um so it just made sense at the end of the day it did it did yeah it felt, it felt good and and yeah so and that was and then you know that happened so again starting talks in 2016 i think we the transaction I and mean, those things take forever um yeah. even once we we met with constellation and we were still talking to other people. And then you start working everything out. It was in August, 2017. So nearly six years ago. Yeah. And you stayed on cause you wanted mm-hmm. to, and you wanted, you wanted to be there. Um, what was it like in those first, in that first year of, you know, having, you know, having a, a, I mean, I guess a boss, a boss or having a, yeah, having a, <laughs> uh, you know, for the place that you built, like what, what were your days like? Were there, yeah. were there Mondays that you started to dread going to work or was it exciting? Like, no. what was the, okay. No. It was always, it was always exciting. I mean, it was, there's absolutely, it was equally frustrating on, on some days. It wasn't always great, but it was always, there was never any, like, I hate this. I hate what I'm doing. I hate who I'm working for. Um, they gave us a lot of autonomy as much as, much as a big business could. Um, no one ever came and said, do this with your, your recipes or, or, or do this. Now there was different sales strategies that left our, our decisions and some marketing strategies. But as far as the beer that we made, um, that we were able to, to continue to, 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 you know, make what we wanted. Um, you know, short change was, you know, canning became, was a lot, lot more popular and we didn't have a canning line. Yeah. They had earlier acquired Ballast Point Brewing. Um, I heard, I heard about and, that sale. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it was a little, it was a little minor sale, right, right before <laughs> ours. Uh, it was way less money than ours. Uh, we, 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 we got them. Um, and uh, so they, they, they had the facility in Virginia, so they had a canning line already. So we said, okay, let's, you know, so we were working with them, make sure the the, the beers taste exactly how they did here, and we did all the canning up there. So. Um, it wasn't, it was never ideal because we'd want it. We just didn't have the, the, the ability to do that because it was such a big line and, and because we were so far away. Um, but yeah, so that it was, it was working with them from, from the get go. And it was, you know, there was changes throughout because we were working with, within the, 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 the ballast point um, organization. It was really, it was really like ballast point became our bosses. Um because a lot of those guys stayed on. They were the bigger brewery. Um, they had sold for more money. So there was a, there was a higher priority to kind of claw some of that money back and make that investment. Right. So, you know, it was only a, f- a few years of, of the, that, and then that changed. And then, you know, Ballast Point sold. So it's been yeah. constantly evolving. So it's never not been exciting or it's never not been like, uh, it's, it was, it's never been okay. Clock in, clock out. Same, same things that's happening. Um, yeah, because you mentioned then, so Ballast Point sold. I mean, that was if the if original Ballast Point sale made everybody's head spin uh, just solely based on the dollar mm-hmm. figure. Um, 
when kings and convicts came in. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, even, you know, seasoned reporters like myself and other folks are like, who the fuck are these guys? Um, (laughs) I mean, that was that was the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I I remember like tweeting at the time being like everybody is is furiously Googling kings and convicts right now to figure out who these guys are, Um, you know, but I mean. If they were. You know, the the, the bigger entity inside of Constellations Craft division, um, when they left, what was that like for you guys? Um, So, so yeah, so they definitely were. And we definitely said, who, who the fuck are these guys? <laughs> yeah. You're like, no, no, shut up. That doesn't even sound like, doesn't even sound like a real name. Yeah. And, um, it was like, it, I uh, mean, the original one was like a brew pub in like Southern Chicago that their big draw was yeah. that they had a, like a golf simulator. I think I, I it was a golf simulator. Yeah. I remember that. Ah. I remember that. And listen, no, no, no shade because I'm sure those no, guys, no, 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 no. Fuck or funky Buddha. It's yeah. just, it's just, it was just, they were ballast point. They're a ballast point that sold to Constellation equivalent of Funky Buddha. Like, huh? What? Yeah. You know, like you got you got sold to a brew pub and yeah. it's just you're like, that doesn't make sense. Um, you know, I, I mean, this is what this is where why you're seeing what's happening in the industry right now. And that was not the start of it. I think well, it might have been. Um, but I just think the realization was like when all these acquisitions were happening and when we got acquired and in, in, in years before we got acquired, there was this idea that you can buy a brewery and plug them into your network and they could be a national craft brand. You, they can be another Sierra Nevada. They could be a dog, whoever was out there doing it. Right. And shortly after so many breweries started popping up. I mean, it was, you know, when we, I think there was maybe 1800 when we opened and now I know we're right, plus yeah. 10,000 yeah. and maybe 12,000. I, I don't know. No, and we're not that high, but truly, it's, we're getting there. Yeah. You know? But ten thousand, yeah, who, yeah. You know, not for nothing, but who wants Funky Buddha Hefeweizen in Indiana? And when there is a hundred breweries around your corner that might make a similar beer, and even if we make a great one, I mean, you want to, you want to. It's so think minimum regional and mostly like hyper local. Like we want you can you can now open up and hope to be your 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 areas, or you can have huge wishes and be a state. And say I'm going to be Florida's biggest brewery, or I'm going to be Texas' biggest brewery, but that that means nothing to I, I'm assuming I'm acting like I, I I'm in these board boardrooms, but <laughs> I don't I don't I don't sit around thinking that Heineken's going like let's be the biggest brewery in Delaware, you know, like come on, well, they're going to put effort into that, so I you know it, the 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 juice didn't wasn't worth the squeeze at that that for us it is for me for 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 shithead Ryan. It's it's worth Funky Buddha's worth it, and it's worth being South Florida's. It's worth being Oakland Park's biggest brewery, um, and it's worth it for for my employees. And it's and and I love what I do, um, and that's and that's what you're seeing. I think you're going to see people going, okay, you know, this is what no harm, no foul. This isn't what we thought. This is what we bought. Industries change, climates change. Let's kind of you know cut our losses and and give it back to people that that are going to care about what they can do. Yeah. Total guess, but I'm pretty edgy. Well, well, so now that you and your brother have it back, um, where did those conversations start? Was it was it your end? Was it their end? Was it just? I mean, uh, years ago, if we're being honest. Sure. Um, Because 
you know, certainly when they sold Ballast, it, it, it was on their radar to also sell, sell Funky. I mean, it, there, there had to be a decision. Uh, granted, again, they weren't, they didn't have the, the investment that they made, you know, at, at least a comma less, uh, you know, from <laughs> our investment to their investment. There wasn't people screaming at them to get, get the money back. But, but they, 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 they did see what was happening in the industry. They did see that what was going on. So, um, you know, maybe Funky Buddha can come out with the, the, a, a seltzer that could be national. So they were still worth a play for that. But you know, the conversations were happening. And, you know, Casey and I had wrestled with it several times and said, like, do we, do we want to take it back? Can we be, can we, you know, do what we want to do? Um, take control, you know, is, is it worth it? Do we, you know, there's a lot of, a lot that goes into, you know, clearly um, it was a, you know, but so we, so we've been wrestling with it for four years and then it just, it came to fruition where it just, it finally truly made sense for both sides to do it. Yeah. But I imagine yeah, if, 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 if they were looking saying, okay, we're, we're going to get out of craft or, you know, ballast is gone you know, we should come up with a plan for funky Buddha. Um, they could have been entertaining offers from other places. And then all of a sudden you find yourself with a, with a new, new boss. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and that absolutely, um, I mean, I can't say for certain, but it, I can say 99%, you know, just, you, you just know these things and you hear whispers and you know, people are talking and, we supported it. We said, listen, for if, if someone else wants to buy Funky Buddha, that, that ended up being what happened. Awesome. That meant, that meant someone bought it for a reason because they thought it, it fit their plan, right? It wasn't to buy it to close it. So it was like, okay, someone else is going to buy it. Maybe, maybe their plan is to take it to a different place or open up other locations, whatever. We're on board. Let's have those conversations when they, when they, when they come and let's figure out how to make this. Yeah. Um, there's always when these things happen, when the, when, when these initial sales happen, um, there's always a lot of hand wringing. There's always a lot of internet posts. There's always a lot of, you know, Oh, you're a sellout and people get all angry and, you know, people that you thought were your, were your professional friends are now, uh, giving you cold shoulders. I mean, we've seen it with, a, with, with a lot of breweries. What I've always been impressed with though, is having the conversation with brewers, who have been acquired by larger companies because they learned how to do things that they otherwise would not have the opportunity to, you know, there is efficiencies in larger companies. There are benefits to uh, global breweries, um, you know, with, with, with reaches um, during the time of constellations ownership. What do you feel you learned as a brewer you know, as you know, somebody involved in the business um, from them that you might not otherwise have had the opportunity. Um, so I don't, I don't think this is a uh, the dismissal or throwing throwing shade as much as I think this applies to everything. I think you end up learning more from where you don't succeed than where you succeed. Yeah. So. You learn, you, you, we definitely learned how important it is to be hyper-focused on, on anything you want to succeed. And that, that just couldn't happen as part of a big organization where we were not unimportant, but let's, let's be honest, it's, it's Corona and Modelo, two of them in the country, yeah. where that, that deserved 140% of their attention. Um, 
So, you know, they did they did a great job in, in building, bringing awareness to Funky Buddha. Um, we certainly learned a lot a lot there, and, and how they how they would go about doing that. Um, a lot of the other stuff was truly they were they were great in that they were hands off. It, there wasn't a lot of learning other than you you learn that why things didn't work, right? And and we never when we had these conversations and we would be like, why why get it? We get that you can't do what we need you to do in order for us to be what you purchased us for and what we sold for, why we yeah. wanted to do. Um, but as far as the sellout thing, yeah, that happened a lot, you know, and you get it from people that you're like, Oh, we were friends. And then literally guys that would, I would see and, and hug at six festivals in a row, you know, when we sold, wouldn't even look at me in the face. And then you have some people that, that were, you would come up and they'd be incredibly, like, truly happy for you. And some that were just like, Oh, I wish, you know, what? I get it. I would do it, you know, but it's, you know, but so it, it was a mixed thing. I, I am, I embraced it. I didn't, it didn't, I know why we did it. I know we weren't, they weren't buying us to, to cheapen our product. It was like, Oh, if the worst thing is that we're going to be in more places and more people are going to try us and employees are going to get paid more and better benefits and we're going to put money in our pockets. Oh, that's, that sounds terrible. I, I wore, I think the next GABF, my, I, I wore a, my shirt just said sellout on it. I'm like, I'll walk, I mean, like, it's fine. I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'll fully own it. I don't care. I, yes, I did. I, we also heard that I was going to be gone day one, you know, oh, that you sold it. I also heard that when I, I opened the brewery with the intention of selling. So you hear so much bullshit over the years that you're just like, <laughs> you stop caring as much because you're like, you've been telling me the wrong things. Or I'm hearing the wrong things, the wrong rumors. And we were, we were rumored to be selling to Budweiser you know, in 2014, I was like, awesome. No one's, no one's called me. I didn't hear that. Um, so, yeah. I yeah, mean, the so, Clydesdales in the parking lot kind of gave that away, but yeah, it's. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I send, I send a road one to work. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's interesting though, because you also, you know, we were talking about that roadmap before of, of how uh, breweries that had been acquired um, what the founders had gone through afterwards. Um, you also had that roadmap of what to expect from the larger community or from certain brewers in terms of some of the vitriol or the cold shoulders or all of that. So it, it you know, I, I, I don't think like, like when Goose Island first sold, I don't think that they had anticipated just how mad folks in and around the industry were going to be by that. Um, yeah. but then by the time, you know, you all did in 2017, it was, you know, it wasn't met with a shrug, but it was like, it, it had become more commonplace at that point. Um, and the reactions were, were kind of predictable. So you kind of, I imagine knew what was coming your way. We, we did it, but it's like, it's like having a, a, a sick relative that, you know, is going to die for a couple months or just unexpectedly passing. Like they both suck. Like maybe you had some time to prepare for it and and you knew but like i can tell you that bounced it was not a it wasn't a happy day for me it was like it was very bittersweet you know because there was so much unknown and it was something that i chose to do but it was there was so much unknown as to are are they going to say they are they going to be who, who they thought we were are they are have we been had the wool pulled over our eyes um is everyone in the industry going to hate me for this and you know it, so yeah it was not like high fives and celebrations I, to this day we never 
we never even took, we never even had a celebration dinner after we sold. We never were like, we, we did it. So um, it was incredibly bittersweet. Getting it back, I also thought that no one would give a shit. I really, truly thought it was going to be like, oh, oh, cool, that's good, you know, and, and maybe even more of like, more, certainly more negativity than we got. I, we did, I didn't re- read a single negative post or, and, and you can't go on the internet. You can, <laughs> you can have about a picture of a rainbow and people, someone's going to go, that rainbow fucking sucks. You know, yeah. I, I hate rainbows. <laughs> and, but like we, 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 we heard nothing. I was like, holy shit. And all positive. And like, part of it's sad because I see people coming back. They're like, oh, we're so happy you're back. And I'm like, you know, we're, it's, just, it's been us. It's been the same people making the beer, but it is, it's been, it's been nice. And people are overwhelmingly positive and, and happy that we did it. Has any, anybody in the professional sphere who gave you shit early on, have they come back around with hat in hand? No, <laughs> no, no. Uh, I, and I, I think at this point I would be, I would be the, the dick that put my back to them. You know, okay. so I, 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 I don't want, I don't want that. You show who you are in those times. So like yeah. if you did and you didn't, you do you treat a person like a person like it's a business decision is a business decision unless you're doing something that's mean-spirited or you're hurting people like that's a reason to get mad you're getting yeah. you're getting mad because we we chose a business path that's you know grow up so um no one no one has and, and nor do i expect them to and i'm and i'll be the stubborn jerk that says just go away just, good you on know. you i saw um, what you were when we sold yeah i like that um so what's the what's the brewery's footprint these days and what's what's selling well um, for you all? So you know, our, our Floridian and Hopkins are still. Our, um, I think you know we 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 do a seltzer just like every other seltzer. There was there was a huge push at the beginning. Things were crazy, and that that's changed. Um, that's what I'm most excited for is that it was it's it's very difficult being part of a, a larger company to to introduce new products because of just by nature being, you know, there's this six portfolio councils and seven review boards and 18 tastings. Whereas before we can be a little more agile and just come up with a beer and put it out in the tap room. If people like it. Let's see if the market wants it. Um, so I put a, you know, it's when we're three years too late, but we still want to do it. We want to put a hazy IPA into the market. Okay. Um, and we want, you know, we're going to be doing a lot more just small releases in the tap room. We've, we've, we've got two canning lines coming. Um, one for larger production and one so we can just do stuff just for to put a new beer out every other week. Um, and even more exciting is, is we are going to, for, for me, I don't think anyone, well, we'll see if people care. Um, we want to start distilling. So it's, I'm a, I'm a cocktail guy as well. Uh, so it's a, it's a, you know, it's something that I've done before. I've been, I've distilled for the last couple of years. Uh, so I'm excited to, to kind of, give that a, give that a shot and and then other other beverages that aren't necessarily alcoholic like you know natural and maybe beneficial hydration drinks or energy drinks that you know and and mess around with how we've brought flavors into the mix before and maybe we can do that again in a, in a different area i dig that um, i'm jacked up no that it, you sound like i mean it's 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 like starting you know it's not starting all over again but it is a, a a kind of a cool fresh start um i've been asking folks on the show uh the green door question 
And the, the, the premise is that in the early days of the pandemic, my wife and I were rewatching uh, The Good Place, the television show. And in the okay. final season, they introduce a concept of a green door that you can walk through and be uh, anywhere you want, doing anything that you want. And I, I, I've been asking folks if we had a green door on our plane of existence and this conversation ended and you could walk through it and be at any bar or any brewery anywhere in the world, where would you want to go? Who would you want to be mm. with? And what would you like to be drinking? Wow. That's a very good question. So that's a show about heaven, right? Or they're all in yeah. like a, some afterlife. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's an afterlife show. Yeah. Okay. Um, Oh, so okay. So I can go anywhere I want, be with anyone yes. I want, alive or dead. Sure. Ah, fuck. I mean, I could be cheesy. So, like, I think I would love to. Where I'd want to go, I, I'm such a homebody. I, I think <laughs> I, I like, I like. <laughs> take me to my my house. Uh, that was that's where I want to go. Um, no, I got to think of something better. Somewhere I've never. Been. I want to go to Italy. I want to go to Italy in the worst way. So, okay. Um, we're going. We're going somewhere in Italy. I get one person. Um, if it's just like, like just, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say my grandmother. Um, but you know, uh, who was passed many years ago. If it's someone famous, I'll say I spend a day with Bob Barley. Um, and what I'm drinking? It's it's a beer, right? It doesn't have to be. It's this is this okay. is your. This is my thing. Yeah, this is your. Yeah, is, I'm not steering this right, so in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I I feel like you are. I feel like you just told me the exact parameters that you wanted <laughs> to make, and now you're giving giving me alternatives. I said uh, any any bar, think, anybody you want, and drinking uh, whatever you want. That's you did. you're right. You're right. <laughs> you're right. Fine, I'll give it. Uh, I love right, your so stall that, tactics I, here. By the way, I though, want. it's pretty great. Yeah, <laughs> I've got nothing. I did, okay, so the drink I want is a drink that I've never had before. Like, that's what I want. I want to, I want to be wowed by something that like, holy shit. I didn't even think like these flavors would work. And I didn't even know this is something you could consume. So that's what I want. I want something that's, I can't describe because that's my favorite thing in the world is, is to be like, whether it's food or drink, anything or art, just be like that. I never even knew that that could exist. So that, that's what I want. And if it's a beer, um, it's it's gonna be. We're, we're, I've really gotten into, and uh, we just made it uh, Italian. We're going to Italy, so figured there's gonna be there's gonna be good ones there. But otherwise, give me a drink that it's you know doesn't have to be alcoholic. It could be anything that I just was like. This is weird and awesome. I like that. See, it, that even harkens back to your very early days of uh, of the brewery of wowing people with something unexpected. I dig that. Uh, I appreciate that. I guess that's why that's why I always say why we did what we did. It was never a business move. It was never like, this is what's going to work. It was just like, this is what I want. And thankfully I'm unique enough that other people are like me. So that it ended up working. I dig it. Ryan, thanks for being on the show and thanks for uh, sharing the journey of, of what funky Buddha was and where it's going. I I'm, I'm, I'm excited about what's, what's coming up for you all. 
What's on your mind beer wise? You can email me. It's John Hall. That's J O H N H O L L at allaboutbeer.com or tell me on Twitter at John underscore Hall. That's also how you can get in touch with questions, comments, and guest suggestions. A reminder go visit allaboutbeer.com. There you can check out the podcast page, the merch page, and can read great new content as well as the archives going back to 1979. Don't forget, follow All About Beer on social media at All About Beer. And if you're interested in supporting journalism in the beer space, email us at info at allaboutbeer.com or go to patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. Don't forget, All About Beer has a podcast channel now. Search and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Steal This Beer has new episodes every Monday and the BYO Nano podcast comes out on the 15th of every month. As for this show, Nate Weber does the music, Jeff Quinn designed our logo, and I'm John Hall. New episodes release every Wednesday, and that's when I'm going to be back again to drink beer and to think beer.